1: Welcome back to Potside, everyone. This is Carlo, and today it's just me and Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Carlo. And are you ready to salute your Fae Masters today?
0: <laughs> I am. I'm uh, Here I come to save the Fae.
1: There you go. All right. We're going to be discussing... Uh, this is, I think, uh, uh, a repeat of uh, M. Rickert. Uh, we had first done uh, an episode on her... Uh, novelette, short novella, um, "The Chambered Fruit," not too long ago, which I was and not
0: there for. So this is this is my first of hers, actually.
1: I, I, yeah, I was going to say you, you've never read anything of uh, Rickards,
0: have you? Maybe not to my knowledge. If if I have, I don't know what it would have been. So yeah,
1: you, you weren't connecting names, much no. as yeah, much as I did when I started like paying attention to like. You know, magazines and <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, kurt has been around for a while. Um, and uh, uh, this one is simply called Was She Wicked? Was She Good? Uh, it is reprinted in Nightmare Magazine. I believe it was originally printed in...
0: Something called Holiday. Holiday, yeah. I'm not and sure I- if that's an anthology or, or what that is.
1: Yeah, me neither. I'm really, yeah. Well, it's it's 2010, so we're we're talking about like 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, th- this was uh, this is definitely creepier than I was expecting. <laughs> I have to say,
0: that's interesting. I I didn't really find it that creepy. Um, mm-hmm. I found it creepy adjacent in in mm-hmm. the way that I would compare this. Uh, I, I don't know. Cre- creepy isn't quite right, but I don't I don't disagree with it being called creepy, but I would call it whatever whatever I would call like a giallo film,
1: which isn't quite creepy. Uh,
0: mm, it, mm, possibly eerie.
1: It might be eerie un- more than creepy. I think I think I'm I'm defaulting to the to the, to the usual thing. I think. This left me more unsettled. Unsettling, mainly, yes, yes, it is. Unsettling, mainly because yes. uh, of the of the kid, right? Uh, who is just, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with innocence and is that you can never feel guilt. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> well, it's it, I I have two I have two hot takes uh, about the kid that I shall save. I'll keep my powder dry. Um, Fair enough. And my wings fully attached uh, until the ho- ho- slightly later yeah. part of the episode. Please
1: do. Yeah. If you see <laughs> Sheila around, just just flutter around further away or something, man. Um, yeah. So so uh, I guess my question to you is I, I, I am a big fan of Rickert. What did you think? Let's talk a little bit about the style.
0: Um, it was a surprisingly frank, naturalistic style to to mm-hmm. me. Like, there's not there's not a whole lot of, um, uh, you, you know. What's interesting to me is oftentimes I feel like um, uh, I I feel like stories in the first paragraph or two often really set down like a strong stylistic um, gambit. That then the, uh, the author kind of once they've established that will back off a little bit, and I do feel like that that is kind of the case. And I'm not saying this is good or bad. I, I'm just observing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the 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 beginning of the story is fairly poetic. It talks about you know w- water dripping from uh, a garden hose from the copper nozzle, guilty as blood. There's a lot of like low key like poeticism. Um, mm-hmm. And but then I, I would say overall. Most of the story is in—it's not sparse prose, but it's fairly straightforward. You know, it's—it's mm-hmm. it's mostly kind of describing what's going on, and it is not—it is not trying to embellish the prose to convey the tone. It's trying to convey the tone through the actions and and events of the story, which I think is just as effective and and probably um, works. Uh, to its favor, because I, I think a big part of what's unsettling about it is that it is describing a very, uh, a very ominous, like you know, uh, qu- quite obviously supernatural from the jump. Although it's a little bit coy about how supernatural, but it's describing it in very frank naturalistic terms, um, uh, uh, kind of like what we talked about with uh, Piranesi. Um, mm-hmm. where we're saying it's, you know, it's this, this absurd, like supernatural type situation, but it approaches it in a very frank matter of fact way. So for instance, like, you know, there's, there's parts of this where they're talking about trying to keep the fairies out of the house. They're talking about, you know, like, uh, shaping boards to a certain size so that they can make the window just the right size. The air can get out, but the fairies can't get in and so on. So, um, no, but, but effective, I think for what the story was trying to do.
1: Right, right. I, I, I do think that there is um t- to your point, I do think that part of what is what is effective about this is because you do get like that sort of you. you mentioned it's naturalistic, but it's also it's both um withholding exactly the nature of what uh, what we're dealing with right away. Mm-hmm. Um But also being very sort of like, as you say, sparse and therefore it comes across as very brutal, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) you like, like, I mean, like this is the, the first line is like, she leaves the small creatures in tortured juxtapositions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, her mother and I find them on the porch steps in the garden, drowning (laughs) in small puddles, (laughs) the green hose dripping water from the copper nozzle, guilty as blood. Uh, You know, there's, there's what is it uh, they 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 try to scrape them up with edges of leaves and sometimes mm-hmm. they they miss and they cut one of them in half and you don't even know what they're talking about exactly but it sounds horrific
0: well you you don't know what you're talking about what what they're talking about but this is where context matters where you know if i weren't reading this in nightmare magazine
1: <laughs> well that's very yeah. I
0: would be like oh they're talking about bugs but but given where i'm reading it and who recommended it i was I, I think pretty much in the second paragraph I was like, oh, it's fairies. Yeah, well, I mean, y- yes, yes, and and I would have loved to to be reading it in a magazine called like the magazine of totally normal stories <laughs> or something like that, you know, like oh, in uh, Reader's <laughs> Digest or something.
1: The, the 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 sister magazine, the Sensible Chuckle. I see. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, you know, it's it, it's something like um uh like uh what is it? The Shirley Jackson story, the lottery. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, like, imagine how much more shocking that was because was that in The New Yorker?
1: I believe. Yes, I believe it came out in The New Yorker. Uh,
0: Imagine imagine how much more shocking that story was reading it in The New Yorker and not being like, well, here's. Shirley Jackson, mistress of horror and unease, you know, with her famous story, The Lottery. You know, it's it would be very much like, uh, you know, like sitting down to watch The Empire Strikes Back being like, huh, wonder what's up with this Darth Vader fella.
1: <laughs> here's, a, here's Shirley Jackson's a classic tale, the lottery (laughs) in bleeding in bleeding stone magazine. (laughs) Wow. It seems a little on the nose this time, this magazine. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I I, I understand. I, um, I did uh, have to, I I do have to say that I am the, the, the stories I've read of Rickert's are, she often takes this sort of roundabout way and um, doesn't, Come straight out and tell you exactly, you know what what she's doing, um, and yeah, I think that that was what I was doing here. I, speaking of uh, your your um, your strategy, Kurt, of uh, you know what is it? Uh, eyes open, <laughs> uh, head empty,
0: <laughs> eyes wide, mind empty. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I just
1: i I pretended not to see that it was in Nightmare magazine Sa- and yeah, just sort same, of like sat same, there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah no, I, t- you're, you're right. I, I, think it's, it's one of those things where you're, you know, like you, you try to juxta, hold them in superposition without yes. one affecting the other. And you go, okay, okay, I know it's about Nightmare magazine, but let me, let me just engage it. And I think that that's the thing that, that is really, um, really works about that first, you know, first paragraph or so. Uh, it is just the, this idea of like there, these people's lives are just, Completely, you know, surrounded by horrible, horrifying deaths on small scales. Yeah. Um, and we we come to the, we we start to realize that it's their their little girl Sheila, mm-hmm. um, who apparently always wears her pale pink and uh, ethereal. It's a nightgown.
0: Thing. It's a thing. Certainly, that that is certainly something that. Many little girls will do. Um, and, it, you know, especially if you don't have to get them dressed for something, mm-hmm. it is often tempting. You know, some kids don't really care what they're wearing, but many do. And um, I certainly have a child who becomes fixated on what she is wearing at that moment. And there have definitely been times where I'm like, is what she is wearing? Close enough to regular clothes that I can send her to school <laughs> <laughs> and not have the fight about. No, I need you to. You can't wear the uh, the the Elsa and and Anna pajamas um, to <laughs> to daycare. Unfortunately, <laughs> you need to put on actual clothes. So so certainly some verisimilitude there.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so what did you think? I mean, you 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 point that out, and I think that. Um, To me, at least, I think that Rickert is really apt at sort of capturing that same sort of wide eyed innocence and also like some of the uncanniness that children can bring to (laughs) to the table.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. So that's that's my first um, take is I think that there is an inclination or there would there, there could be an inclination to read this story. As if it is about a child who who is a like like a budding like psychopath or something you know or like or like a future serial killer, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I I will say that eh, by six I think Sheila is said to be six at at, at one point in the story. It, it's a little bit late for that kind of behavior in my experience, but when they're like three and four. They certainly don't always like kids don't always grasp that things that aren't people like you know are you alive. know alive like like alive have the same existence yeah yeah so, so like my my first hot hot take is i i think that Sheila for the most part is a pretty straightforward just like young kid <laughs> yeah and um Like, you know, certainly I I have never I have never had to contest with uh, my kids pulling the wings off of off of fairies or or indeed anything. Um, But I don't think it's totally outside of the realm of possibilities. If if there were indeed, you know, fairies all over the place that that (laughs) that is that that is possibly something that could happen, because like some kids do love, you know, stomping on bugs and they don't really care, you know, and you can explain to them. Uh, that no, like we don't, you know, we we don't we don't kill things. Um, I, I've certainly had this conversation, you know, like no, it, like even if it's like like a spider, you know, or or like a fly, we don't we don't kill things for no reason. Um, and if we do, if we have to, it's you know, it's a sad thing. Um, but it is a conversation that you must be prepared to have dozens and dozens of times before it sinks in, potentially, and sometimes not. But yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I I do think that. Um, in, in defense of in defense <laughs> the, of Sheila yeah defense of Sheila being sort of a late bloomer as you say um, a, a, there is a apparently there's been uh, another incident in the past not too long ago I think it's they mentioned like two or three, three years ago
0: three yes three years yeah
1: um, so so maybe part of that whatever happened then, has caused, you know, sort of Sheila to be somewhat delayed, right, in her development.
0: Possibly, uh, yeah.
1: Um, and, and I mean, I, I do think that there is something happening in the background. I don't know that it's a, uh, I, I think Rickert leaves it to our imaginations. Yeah.
0: Well, that, that's what's very that, – that's exactly what's well realized is that it, it is almost a definitional experience of dealing with kids that there's always something going on in the background and you're never quite sure what what it is because mm-hmm. kids kids both over and sometimes undershare. You know, like, so, like it, it doesn't always occur to kids to be like, oh, I should tell somebody about this thought that I've had. They might have been thinking about something for years and suddenly they mention it once. And there is a kind of like inscrutability to (laughs) Sheila's character in the story that that I think both works in terms of keeping her a bit mysterious about what's going on, and it is also just you know fairly accurate. You know, kids like kids at that age are unlikely to to sit down and be like, you know, I'm dealing with some unresolved trauma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What you mean? It's not like in the Netflix shows. Come on, man. Um, I, I, I did love that the, the few instances of like her, her lashing out or just not punctuated at all. Like, it's like, you can't go outside. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? And you're yes. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, and I'm that, annoyed just reading that.
0: <laughs> that's, that's very true to life. Like when, when kids, some kids will just go into a tantrum and it's not like they don't work themselves into it like a person does, you know, like, uh, like <laughs> to sort they, of just
1: rev themselves up to justify why they, they're feeling the way they're feeling.
0: Right? Exactly. They, they, they fucking just slam the shifter directly into third. And they're like, all right, let's do this. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, literally it could be like, I want toast for breakfast. And you go, I, you know, we don't have any bread, but I, uh, instant, just market instant. So, you know, yeah, it certainly I've, happens. <laughs> I, I've seen,
1: I've seen it happen myself. Where it's like, I don't want to go over there. Okay, that's fine. We're not going to go over there. But I said I didn't want to yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you're like, what? What is happening? <laughs> I,
0: I did also like the part. There's a part in the story where um, the father is kind of like battling wits uh with her and um <laughs> yeah yeah he, he kind of like calls her out or like flips her logic back around her and, her and she just kind of like stops talking and and get like acts confused and that that is definitely something um that is definitely something that happened just the other day so we just got back from yeah, like an overnight trip but like a short one and uh yesterday when we were packing i asked one of my kids i won't say which one um, which of her stuffed animals she would like to bring. And she said, I don't want any of them. And I was like, you sure? Because I think you're going to change your mind. No, I don't want any of them. And she actually, uh, so I, I I picked her two favorite ones and I just packed them. And she saw me packing them. She said, I said, I didn't want any of them. And I said, okay. And I, I still packed them. And then of <laughs> course, when we got to the hotel, she starts having a meltdown about not having her animals. And I said, don't you remember when you told me, I asked you do, you, do you want to bring these? And you said, no, I don't want any. And I could tell that she remembered because she stopped and looked at me and was just like very confused. <laughs> like, like
1: <laughs> I did say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, again, great verisimilitude. I've, I've criticized badly written children in stories in the past. Um, and I would say this is a very well or accurately written child.
1: Yeah, in, in the scene, I, I, I found it because it is, it is rather funny, right? Uh, he's, he's basically like, uh, we, we can get to that part in a minute, but he's basically trying to do something at, at the window. And she comes up behind him and says, what are you doing? Go back to bed, Sheila. I'm fixing something. I'm thirsty. Go back to bed. I'll bring you a glass of water as soon as I'm finished. She looks at the open window. Mommy's going to be mad. Yes, she is. If she calls and finds out that you're still awake, she's going to be very angry at you. Yeah. Sheila's face contorts. I have confused her, taking advantage of her logic skills, rooted as they are in her six-year-old mind. Go on now. <laughs>
0: there's there's also um, something else that, that that section you just read captures very well is is like at, at times it is a little bit too easy to... to to own a child a bit a bit too hard. <laughs> like sometimes like like every so often like you know a, a parent who is close to the end of their rope their child will say something and you'll say something that's like a clever adult clapback and they'll they'll kind of recognize that they just got owned but they won't quite understand it and you realize that like you just like unloaded with a machine gun at like a cardboard box and you're like oh whoops. <laughs> Like I may I I, I, I maybe overcalibrated my response here a little bit.
1: Just <laughs> this you, you didn't hit her back with a pickleball. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. You, you did the you did the meme of the headshot. You know? Yeah. It's like, God damn, dude. <laughs> anyway, oh. Yeah. That, I, I love that. Also, like the next line is her eyes narrow as she glances from me to the window and back again. Yeah. <laughs> like you say, she knows that there's something going on and she knows that she's been owned, but also she knows that, well, she she's also coming to grips with the, the fact that she's the six year old and dad is going to get mad at her.
0: Yeah, or, or he's already mad or she's not sure what will happen. That's another mm-hmm. thing is, you, mm-hmm. you know, like I distinctly remember, gosh, I don't even remember what it was that I did. I want to say I was, I was riding in the back of a car that my dad was driving with my best friend. And we were, I want to say we were like 13 or so maybe, and we were just like saying catchphrases from some movie or something over and over and over and (laughs) over again and finally my dad went would you fucking stop with that and I I was like whoa (laughs) I've never seen that before (laughs) and and we both just stopped um and (laughs) and like that's very much not my dad so I don't know if like something shitty had happened he'd been having a bad day but when you know six is, and you know six through like mid-teens, you're still kind of like developing your theory of mind and like why mm-hmm. people react the way they do, and every so often they'll react in an unexpected way, and you'll be like, "I don't know, am I on, am I on sh- like shaky ground here? What's going on? <laughs> what, what's the situation?
1: <laughs> no, wait, did I did I cause this? What, what yeah. happened here?
0: <laughs> yeah. So so uh, again, very well, you know, and, and I, I think that. The story is written from an adult point of view and it is vague about the things that adults find hard to understand about kids. Like that's that I think is a common mistake of writing children is when you know like we were joking about earlier like the kids come right out and say, you know, I'm afraid of this because of this or, you know, like they they just kind of like carry on a totally explicable conversation and the reality is a lot of times you don't really quite know what's going on in kids heads and and so those things are you know again quite realistically concealed from the reader Mm -hmm. um even though there probably are answers we just we just don't know because it's a six-year-old it it could be anything
1: (laughs) right right could be a bellyache could be fairies attacking Mm her
0: Uh, something else that i really liked about the story is um you you get you don't get a super great idea of like what the lives of the parents are like, like who the parents are, but we get enough to understand that they're kind of like a bookish, progressive seeming kind of like hippie mm-hmm. types a little bit, like a little bit like right. cr- crunchy granola. Like they have a meditation room. I think yoga is mentioned at some point.
1: Well, the, uh, and the, the, the wife Uh, is basically makes, makes jewelry.
0: Yes. She makes jewelry. And he has a,
1: and he has uh, a book. Uh, Yeah. He's
0: writing some kind of like highfalutin pop psychology, pop philosophy book or something. I think it's like
1: Like battling, battling battling mystery in an age when we're battling the sense of self or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. It's like, and what's, what's interesting about it though, is that like, those aren't the sort of people you would imagine to be in, in this story. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they are forced outside of their personal comfort zone by the nature of their child, which is absolutely something that happens Right. You know, so like we always, imma- like, how would you imagine the child of kind of like hippie, dippy, crunchy granola kids to be probably, you know, also low key hippie, dippy, but they might not be, they might be a fucking terror. And then mm-hmm. you might see, you, you, you know, ma-, ma and pa, you know, original uh you know woodstock parenting uh suddenly having to deal with with a child that is not receptive to you know chill low key parents.
1: yeah it does, doesn't doesn't respond to doctor spock you know just exactly
0: sort of yeah is yeah. <laughs> is just you know going like yep i understand dad yep uh, you know, knowing me, knowing you, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep ripping the wings off these fucking fairies because I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying it a great deal. Yes, we can do yoga later. Not going to help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very, very relaxed when I rip off some yeah, more and, fairy wings. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and so, you very know, like it's, it's it's interesting to see the contrast of, like, they have a difficult child. And so they're at their fucking wits end, which which doesn't go hand in hand with their, you know, kind of cool new agey existence that they seem to be striving for and not, not quite landing.
1: Well, I mean, I, I do think that, uh, Sheila in her own horrifying way has in fact disturbed their universe <laughs> in yes. ways that, uh, they, they never expected as you're saying. Right. And, uh, and they've had to basically uproot themselves. They're now uh, out, not in the the city. They were they used to be in the city. Now they're out in the country, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been you know, it's been three years since the incident, mm-hmm. which is you know uh, as as you mentioned, you know, sort of left vague. Um, I did also really enjoy um, if we can shift towards the like sort of like what what is exactly the resolution, you know, and the aftermath leads to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically, uh, oh shit, I, I, I don't know if he's ever met, named in the story, but it's, uh, he, he has a uh, an argument with Anne. I'm sorry, you, you were going to say?
0: Oh, um, I was just going to mention the there's a stray bit also that they don't believe in air conditioning, which I wasn't sure if that was because of the fairy situation or they just didn't. If they just don't believe in it, I- I'm sorry, but fucking get over it. You need you guys need air conditioning. I don't think fairies could come through those grates um, and you'd be nice and cool.
1: <laughs> so. I mean, I, I also wonder if that's not sort of like. Uh, also, like that hippy dippy, right? Well, exactly. That's running what I was up. Yeah, yeah, running up the, the 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 bill and yada yada yada. I I do like that. She leaves room for us to sort of pick that up mm-hmm. and, and interpret it right? because she's not saying anything about it. She's not like turning to the to the audience and and inserting something to let us know, right? These are people.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's not saying, "Do you know how you know how much it costs to run that, or do you know how bad for the environment air conditioners are, or whatever?" Like, we don't get an explanation. We just know the fact. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm, yeah. But you
0: you were shifting back towards the middle of the story, and I I sidetracked again. No, no, no. For for which I deeply apologize.
1: I mean, see, see, you is you're enacting exactly what the story is getting at, right? You know that you may have made a mistake and are making amends for it, <laughs> <laughs> and that that's more or less what the argument between uh, the, the the main character and his his wife Anne is that you know, like he is trying to insert. Like fairy tale logic into this, where if she does something wrong, she needs to have some sort of consequences visited upon her right mm-hmm. uh, and he he even says it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be physical or anything like that it it we just need to let her know that that is not right mm-hmm.
0: well i I almost felt like there was um there was two halves to that because on the one hand there's there's the parenting thing which is like essentially like they're kind of well he kind of winds up doing the hot stove trick you know the hot stove trick
1: no I don't know what that is
0: so I I, I would not advise it but a, <laughs> a, a common uh, a common old chestnut of parenting advice that um, if you are about my age you may have received at some point from say a weird uncle. Um, who who says you know if you don't want a kid if, if you want to teach your kid uh, mm, that okay. that a stove is hot and not to touch a stove, let them touch a stove once you know like don't stop them the first time and they won't forget that lesson. Terrible idea, I will say, but there, there's an aspect of that of like trying to teach her it's bad. I I also felt like there was an aspect of like maybe we can pacify the fairies a bit if we let them you know see that like she's been punished in some way like look like she's you know you guys don't need to come in fucking murder her like you know we've Mm -hmm. we've we've punished her we're dealing with it you know we're working on it right Um, and and it it works in both directions because you you that that conversation is like exactly how parents wind up having to approach these things of like well like like the, the kid isn't getting it like and we feel like they should have gotten it by now what do we do do we escalate is escalating the wrong move is that is that just going to like make it worse like are we just punishing them to try to make a point that they won't understand so you know it's it it, it works in a lot of ways both in kind of to your point like the fairy tale logic but then mm-hmm. it also kind of works in like the parenting logic
1: right right i mean and, and that's the thing about this story is that i i do think that the the metaphor and is so closely uh, stitched up with the sort of the realist aspect of it mm-hmm. that it really, I think it 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 works. It really does a lot of work. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm looking at the the sequence here where she's like, basically, Sheila wakes up, you know, like screaming because she's had a nightmare, and she she says wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, uh, th- they start arguing. The parents start arguing. <laughs> she, must
0: not, she must not be a Paul McCartney fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, uh, all right. <laughs> uh, is Paul McCartney one of the fans, is what you say? saying? Uh, so they, they start arguing. It was, uh, it was just a dream, a nightmare. Kids. No, it was them. Do something, Michael. We need to punish her and hold Sheila closer as if I have suggested releasing her into the dark yard where those who seek revenge could have their way. Mm-hmm. We've already discussed this. I'm not saying we do anything corporal. I'm just saying we need to show her that she, what she's doing is wrong. They won't bother her if she stops hurting them. No. Anne, listen to me. Why should I? Do you listen to me? you ever listen to me i told you we should have taken her to a different doctor i told you he didn't understand people like us i told you and so on you mm-hmm. get the gist um, and to your point kurt i do think that it, it reads very much um the way i would imagine you know parents have to talk about like well okay so so i don't want to do that you know it's it's sort of like a back and forth and eventually uh what what happens is that he convinces Anne to go to like take a take a night off and she drives off and I, I do love that he, he mentions that uh something along the lines of um that it's he's he's sort of surprised at how quickly she leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. like bye <laughs> Uh, Yeah,
0: she, she kind of makes like the Scooby Doo bongos. Running in the air, sound like just leaves, <laughs> yeah. like you know, an and an, an shaped puff of smoke in the air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I was looking for it. It is disturbing how eagerly she leaves. Sheila and I wave from the open doorway, the scent of summer dying in the morning air, the brown lilacs withered on the bush, the squirrels scampering wildly through yard, ER, which is overgrown and dried out. And waves from the oak- open car window, the graceful arc of her hand, the last we see of her as he turns the corner. It's <laughs> just like, bye. <laughs> Hit the gas, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that sort of starts the sequence that I I'd, I'd referred to before, where where he overpowers her with his facts and logic. Uh, he overpowers her six year old mind uh, because what he's doing is he's he's sort of getting her ready for bed. He he. Uh, basically lets her go outside. They've, they've had her locked inside uh, with, as you said, Kurt, the, the windows were all blocked up and stuff like that. Um, and she can't go outside. Uh, and this, finally, he lets her go outside. They have a picnic. He you know, just basically fills her full of food, lemonade, tires her out. She get, you know It's time for bed. And he's been, he notices that there's a hornet's nest outside his uh, study window. And that's where, yeah, like he's basically trying to dislodge the screen. I
0: thank you. I was confused by this by by what he was frustrated with. I think my eyes must have maybe just skipped over the part about the hornet's nest. Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: but but uh, to to your point, I think that even even knowing that when uh, later uh, Sheila just wakes up screaming, uh, as he sort of has been expecting. Uh, he runs upstairs. You know, Daddy's here. Daddy's here. You know, and the descriptions are not. You're not entirely sure if it's the hornets <laughs> or if it's oh. fairies. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I was pretty sure it was fairies, but you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, because I skipped up my my eyes slid over the part about the hornet's nest there. So you're mm-hmm. right. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a good point. That that very much does work there.
1: Yeah, and, and I I mean. I, I, I knew he was doing that for the hornet's nest, but it's, it's left sort of vague um, enough that, it, and, and this is also something that I think you're, to something you were saying before, the way children approach things happening um, often is as you grow into adulthood, you exaggerate or things get muddled, and i think that that's the thing that she's trying to capture here right where all you're getting is what she would later imagine is happening and and that's you know like he ends it like oh, she, he wanted to make sure that she she associated bad things happening with creatures with wings mm mm-hmm.
0: yeah which you know i totally missed that because that last line is is fairly ambiguous right because that mm-hmm. could mean the Hornets, and uh, you know, like, why would you say that if it was literally, you know, the fairies? But right. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Hmm. And so, I mean, that's sort of like the 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 last of it, right? Be, because basically, uh, it, it's we have like a a, a time skip, and uh, it, it's not too much time has passed because it's still uh, fall. Although this is what late fall, so this is like the it's end a couple of months. summer. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a couple months. Yeah.
1: But we do get an interesting detail, right? That sort of feeds into you sort of re, perhaps recontextualizing the parents' past, right? Because it says uh, Anne is sitting in the garden painting a small portrait of a fairy. She was never, she has never accused me of doing anything more than opening all the windows in a hot supper night. Why has she stayed, knowing even this? Mm-hmm. And later on, they're talking about. As the amber evening closes in around us, the night fairies come out, carrying their tiny lanterns, whispering their dark thoughts. Sheila continues playing, even when a parade of them crosses the patches of her blanket, even when several fly past right past her. She pays them no mind at all. So basically, they've come to conclude that even though they can see fairies, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, Sheila can no longer see them.
0: Well you know now that I'm thinking about it more, you know are are there even any fairies at all in this story? because what uh, what sort of uh, things with wings come out at night with little lanterns?
1: Um, could be, uh, lightning, lightning bugs, bugs right?
0: lightning bugs. Yeah. Or, or as they say in other parts of the country, fireflies fireflies um, as well. And, and so, you know, the, the ambigu there's an, there's an ambiguity about the nature of the fairies the entire time. And now that I think about it in a different way, I could almost read this as like, so I think the, the thing that we're supposed to, to take away from the end is, is that she has lost some aspect of her childhood innocence and mm-hmm. you know wonder at the world, which of course is consistent with okay. That probably wouldn't cause all your hair to fall out and grow back white, but you know, I don't know that that certainly seems more fay like you know than mm-hmm. than wasps. Well, um, it
1: it it also sort of conforms to like that weird uh, like those those more darker fairy tales, right? Where yeah. you know somebody sees something that they shouldn't have, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, sees a ghost or whatever, and they you know now they're hers all white or something mm-hmm.
0: but but like it worked that that last section works however you read it you know mm-hmm. because she could literally not be seeing the fairies anymore because she has lost her her innocence and there you know i i think there's there's a fairly well established like folklore idea that you know children sometimes see things differently or they may perceive that you know there's there's like the you know the idea of like the spooky child shows up all the time, like in weird fiction. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it could literally mean she's lost her innocence. And so that was what let her see the literal fairies, or it could mean that she's lost her innocence in a more practical way. And she's no longer fascinated by bugs, mm-hmm. you know, also the, that, the yeah. way that like young kids are like it, it works, it works in either way. Um,
1: well, I, I think that the other thing that, that really complicates that is, um, because they, they, they mention early on, right, that, oh, you know how we, we strove to have an exceptional child, and now we only hoped for a normal one, right? Because mm-hmm. Sheila is, to their, stand, to their view, is not normal. She just like murders fairies every, every chance she gets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and here at the end, we have sort of a, a looping back to that. Um, now that we have a normal child, she will be safe in her normal world. And we will be safe in hours. Right. And so that can be read as okay, is Sheila like some sort of weird changeling? What the hell's happening here? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, oh, no. So, I mean, I, I took that, you know, metaphorically. They live mm-hmm. in a world where fairies exist and are real. And, you know, if you piss them off, they will come and fucking try to murder you you know, at, at night and she lives in a world where she can't see fairies. There are no fairies. It's the regular world. Um, I wasn't thinking about it in terms of, of like, you know, they're literally from, from different worlds, more like they, you know, live figuratively and, mm-hmm. or, you know, also kind of practically in, you know, d- different worlds. They somehow have maintained that, you know, that kind of slight supernatural edge to them. They, they are fae touched in some mm-hmm. way, you know, they're kind of like s- s- spooky parents and now she's, you know, she, she's a kid. She's, she's just a kid. They, uh, she, they she, live in.
1: in she, oh my god! Worlds. They, they did. They, they normified her.
0: They normified. Well, no, and you know, that's the funny thing. Back to, you know, a, a parenting does not conform to your expectations for life, your carefully curated life. Right. Cause like, you know, as adults, isn't that like one of the things that, that we start doing around the time that like we're a teenager is being like, well, I want to be like this and I want my life to be like this. So like, you know, you might have a coworker who goes home, puts on new age music, sits there with their, you know, their Zen fountain Uh, only eats you know like super organic food they live in a little curated existence all their own that conforms to how they see themselves and how they see the world children can wreak havoc upon that you might be the hippiest of dippy parents um you might want to you know go take your kid to you know whimsical orchestral concerts or something some kind of weird you know like hippie artistic enrichment thing and you might have a kid who is you know Super practical minded and has zero interest in that and is like, I love math, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that, that happens. Um, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I think there's a tension here where the parents are sad because, you know, on the one hand, it's clearly not that was clearly not a tenable situation. But at the same time, now she has a different experience from them. She is not growing up like them. She will not mm-hmm. grow up to be. Like them, and that's that's a real sadness and a real tension, mm-hmm. and also like an obligation of of being a parent, right? Because w- wouldn't that be incredibly selfish to be like, no, I need to raise a hippie child?
1: Well, so you're you yeah, <laughs> you're, you're just then making a copy, of exactly yourself. a copy, yeah, exactly. Um, But but I I think that the the interesting thing here is that you you are absolutely correct. All of this is absolutely true, and yet I can also look at that and be like, wait. <laughs> yeah is is Sheila a changeling and w- were they trying to normify her uh or some secret third thing Who a se- knows? A secret third
0: thing yes <laughs> I think the fairies were the secret third
1: thing not so secret <laughs> think, anymore are they?
0: We could use uh, a a totally explicable fourth thing in in this case as well um, yeah
1: that too uh,
0: so I have to say, I liked the depth. Like, now that I'm talking through the ending with you, I'm really digging the ending. Um, But when I read it, it left me a little bit cold. This is my second hot take. I wanted something worse to happen to the (laughs) (laughs) child.
1: Fuck them kids.
0: (laughs) not, 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 Not for that reason, just because I felt like for... The, the the story builds a wonderful sense of of unease that kind of combines like the fairy story with the spooky child story with almost like a siege narrative <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can almost imagine like like a weird uh, like a John Carpenter version. The, the, <laughs> where the, they trying the, to protect the, taking, the child from the fairies.
1: The taking <laughs> of Faye one two three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, she's coming. I mean, on, she's coming, sir. Under the log. I, I,
0: I mean, it's it's super uneasy, and then the ending kind of it kind of lets you down easy. Like it 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 goes kind of melancholy, and I was expecting a bit more of like a cursed ending and and so I don't want the child to die. I don't think mm-hmm. that's quite the the, the the right play, but I was expecting something a little, like this is sad from the point of view of the parents and it's sad to the reader in a little bit of, of like a whimsical way, but I was also kind of like, okay, like great outcome for, for her. She <laughs> won't be, you know, a fairy serial killer and she won't get <laughs> murdered by fairies. So it's kind of a happy ending in that respect.
1: <laughs> Sheila, Sh- Sh- Sheila F- Faisinger, you know, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's, Basically, uh, you know, waged a campaign against Fae, uh, the entire Fae realm near her house, you know?
0: Yeah, so I, 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 think, off I easy. think I think I wanted the classic fairy tale ending of, um, like kind of good, kind of bad, where mm-hmm. it's like, well, it's good now, but then, you know, the last sentence is that, that kind of like little like Lovecraft poke. Where it's like, but I real, you know, but of course, here's the final detail that recontextualizes what you thought was a happy ending, and I and and we don't we don't really get that that you know like the last line is or the last lines are, now that we have a normal child, she will be safe in her normal world, and we will be safe in ours. We can hope, we can dream, we believe, which isn't real, it, you know. I think I wanted something a little bit more weird fiction with the mm-hmm. ending, so that's I can see that that's my hot take. Although, you know, if the kid died. I could live with that ending too. That would certainly be a different sort of story. Uh, but, you know, I, I can see some very, some sp- spooky variation on that working as well. But yeah, so in that, not a bad ending a, a very, I think a very deep and thoughtful and, and cunningly arranged ending. Um, but I think on an emotional level on just like the first read, it didn't, it didn't quite hit me the way that the rest of the story did.
1: Hmm. Okay. I, I think I rather liked it. And, and that, Actually, maybe my my M. Rickert bias showing. So. I, oh, oh! I thought you were going to say that's my logline. I rather liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I rather liked it.
0: <laughs> well, uh, apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I could just imagine. I rather liked it, even though the prose was shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a it's a good I think it's a good entry in unsettling fairy stories. Um, or or stories about unsettling fairies, Mm -hmm. Uh, as as simply a a type of amuse bouche, if you will. Right Mm -hmm. Uh, before we we, we (laughs) some more fairy stuff. Ooh,
0: ooh! You know what? It just occurred to me. With facts and logic, I can definitively say that these are fairies. Uh Aha! Because uh, when do fireflies come out? Around like June or July or so. They don't. That's true. That's true. Yeah, in late fall. So so take that, Sheila. Facts and logic. <laughs> I, I have deduced, in fact, that fairies are real with science. <laughs> yeah, they, they,
1: they essentially come out like it's about like three weeks between the end of June, middle of July, something like that.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it varies, you know, g- by globally, region, yeah. but but at, at least in the US, I don't know that there's many fireflies that would be out that late. So fairies, yeah. it is fairies, it is.
1: I agree. All right. Well, Um. yeah. So and and. Everyone out there, this is, of course, like I was saying, a, simply a, a small tidbit before we dig into the larger work of fatum. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what would be interesting? This is this is a last little 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 thought, and I could have done this in our our kind of like after talk, um, where we talk, uh, you know, hot goss and behind the scenes drama. No, not so much in in truth. <laughs> It's it's mostly no, like no. I'm gonna go play this this video game,
1: <laughs> dude. Um, I had this great beer, man. Um, yeah.
0: It, 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 whoops. It would be interesting to read that um, that uh, Tolkien um, essay. Uh, what's it called? Like 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 on, on fairy on stories on fairy tar- fairy stories or something. Yeah. Like,
1: I would. I, I've you know I've never read it. Um,
0: I've I've quoted it and I, like, I've looked mm. things up in it and, I, and I've read like the first part of it, but I don't think I've ever read the whole thing either.
1: That would be an interesting. You know what? Uh, I let's put it on the docket. All right. I, I think that, that that falls within our uh, purview. I, I mean, it, it's it's the old Oxford Don himself. That's right. About fairy st- fairy <laughs> Lo-
0: looming looming over our shoulder, going, "Aren't you interested in philology, good boy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come to my party. I'll dress up like a Celt and scare you."
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what right. I forgot about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or a Saxon. I'm sorry. Not a a Celt. Saxon. <laughs> just imagine him like scaring the crap out of his, his his guests coming up the path. Oh, man. What a guy. All right. Well, anyway, uh Kurt thanks for joining me with this. Uh this this was I I was expecting good stuff. Uh you know, uh M. Rickert did not disappoint. Um and I think that um yeah, this is a good entry.
0: Yeah, uh, a, a, you know, good good story. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm and you know good good first M. Rickert story I I would say Uh, she comes in as my second favorite Rickert uh, after Rickert from Berserk um, who I I also quite like.
1: For a minute there I I transposed Rickert with Riddick and I was like is he going to make a Riddick joke again (laughs) alright anyway uh, everyone out there thanks for listening in uh, and we'll catch you next time here on Potside.